Welcome again to another episode of A Thousand and One by One, where we take a film out of the wonderful book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die, discuss it, analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book. My name is Adam St. John. And I am Ian Woodington. And as we always do, we will give you our recommendations. However, mine this week is a definitely stay the hell away from this movie. Oh, but before I do no, that... please, go first. Oh, you want me to go first? Yeah, please. So, I listen to a lot of film podcasts. It's just something I, it's just something I like to do. And one of the film podcasts I listen to, which is so different from ours, so I have no problem saying what it is. It's how did this get made? I'm not sure if you know this one. I think I've seen that one, but I haven't heard an episode yet. So basically, what it's three comedians basically talk about a really bad movie, and they basically just kind of rip it apart. And these movies range from like Con Air to Howard the Duck to the Odd Life of Timothy Green. I mean, they, they span, like, Pluto Nash. I mean, they're, they're, they're all over okay, the place. Okay, so they are well-known films. They're not just diving deep into a fault. No, no, yeah. They're, they're garbage. Yes, exactly. Okay. They're, they're, yeah, they're well. Because that would be too easy. Yeah. And so one of the films they did that I realized I had never actually seen, and Melissa and I decided, you know what, let's watch a bad movie tonight. And we watched Deep Blue Sea. Oh, boy. It is That's going really, really bad. It, it was around the same time as Anaconda and Lake Placid, where these kind of movies were, for some reason, thriving. Yeah, there was a resurgence of creature features. Yeah. Um, and so the very basic plot is on this remote laboratory in the middle of the, of the ocean, this company is creating these super sharks to find a cure for Alzheimer's. Which is ridiculous. How do they? So how do they justify that? Is it like the shark meat? Do you, do you eat the shark? No, it's something in the. No, they're testing out. I think this oh, this okay. serum on these super sharks, and there's three of these massive sharks, and uh, the cast is is led by Sam Jackson and Thomas Jane and a couple of people whose names I wouldn't remember. Michael Rappaport is in it. LL Cool J is the chef, who is, is preach. I think it was a former preacher. I don't even want to go too deep into the plot because it's not a good movie. This is the kind of movie that is, and I think what How Did This Get Made is trying to do with a lot of these things is determine, is this a bad, bad movie or a good, bad movie? Like, is this the kind of movie that you should avoid at all costs? Or is this the kind of movie where, like, if you're drunk or high with your friends and you're going through Netflix and you see Deep Blue Sea, it's the kind of film you're going to laugh through? And Melissa and I certainly laughed through it. And it's it was entertaining in that sense of, you know... It's bad, but I can't in any cinematic respect actually tell you to go and watch this movie. And this is like in the early days of like CG kind of being a thing. Some of the shark scenes are oh, yeah, no, awful. The, I've seen the Sam Jackson death scene. It, it, oh, that's so bad. Yeah. It's so bad. So I've been right to avoid it all these years. Yes, you have. Excellent. So it's, it's not like I've wasted the last 20 years of my life having not seen no, it. No, it's the kind of thing where... 
as you get if, if you're getting closer to Halloween and you're looking, you know, sometimes you want to actually be scared and sometimes you actually want to watch a bad movie like Thanks Killing or Zombievers, which are great bad movies. It's kind of in that realm of things where you know it's going to be ridiculous. Like there's a bit at the end where I won't say who, but only two people make it at the end, and they're sitting on this like floating piece of debris, and one of them says, "Are there are there still sharks in this water?" And they both take their legs out of the water so they're they're none of their their body parts are actually in it. Like the this this kind of horror movie ends on a joke. It's it's ridiculous. It's bad. That's I do not recommend this movie. Thank you for sharing. No problem. Ian, <laughs> do you have an actual recommendation? I do. Lovely. And it's something that's not in the book, which I won't get to um, too much of a soapbox about. But And this kind of ties in directly to the meat of our episode. So the reason I watched this movie, and I'm going to give away my answer to whether the movie that we're going to talk about should be in the book or not, should be in there. Uh, so I watched something to wash the taste of that out of my mouth. And so I was like, all right, I got to the end of that thing, and I want to watch a good musical. Adam's over there just shaking his head at me. This is not going to end well. I was like, I want to watch a good musical. So I put the Blues Brothers on and just enjoyed myself. It was like, it was a really good palate cleanser. It's not in the book, which is crazy, because something like Airplane can be in the book. And that's... and, and Or Spinal Tap, but and, Blues Brothers isn't. I do enjoy the Blues Brothers. Uh, I think it's a little too long, but that doesn't negate the fact that it's an enjoyable movie. Oh, absolutely. And there were things, again, it's a, it's another one of these movies like we, we were talking about Back to the Future in the last episode. It's it's one of those movies that I don't, I don't feel is a great movie based on people's nostalgia for it because I genuinely find new things to like about it every single time I watch it. Sure. And the same, I just pick up on little details. Um, you know, I only saw the Blues Brothers for the first time about four months ago. Really? Yeah. Now, which cut did you see? Because I know there is a there is a longer cut that's damn near two and a half hours, and I agree with you. That cut is way too long. Oh, I think that's probably I think that's what I saw. Okay, well, that, there's your problem then. The yeah. theatrical cut is perfect. Oh, okay, that's exactly the length Great. that it needs to be. That extended one is just it's unnecessary. It's yeah, all that, it's it, all filler. It's funny. I did. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. I did yeah. feel that there were moments where I was like, "Do we need this?" Yeah, exactly. That's so that's funny. a shame. You should go back and, and watch the theatrical cut because yeah. that is it's a it's a cleaner, much more streamlined experience. And just I don't know. This time around, I don't know the dialogue between Jake and Elwood at the beginning, where he's like pulling like pulling apart his decision to trade the the car for a microphone, and he's like, "I can see that." <laughs> <laughs> just that, just what Belushi does in that film is fantastic. And Dan Aykroyd, too, just the two of them. And it was, as far as I know, it was the first big SNL film, right? Yes. And it actually changed the way SNL films got made after it. Right. Because Lauren Michaels decided, okay, I'm going to cash in yeah. on these. Yeah. So, yeah, that was all Belushi and, and Aykroyd. Yeah, and it was kind of the beginning. Other than the, the small blip that was Wayne's World. I think it was kind of both the beginning and the end of SNL films because, I mean, what else has been done? That was good. good. And don't you dare say Night of the Roxbury. I hate that movie. Oh, excellent. Thank you No, for that, that movie is not good. Okay, good. Because now we're about to very violently disagree. Okay. So we were, in terms of thinking about what films we want to keep doing because this this book spans decades, it spans countries, and it spans genres, and... One genre we haven't touched yet is musicals. And so the film that we are talking about today is West Side Story, um, 1961. Uh, it was directed, it was co-directed by Robert Wise and Jerome Robbins. And we'll talk a little bit about how that worked and didn't work. 
Um, it's obviously based on the musical that had come out a few years before. Uh, the musical did not win the Tony for Best Musical. It actually lost to The Music Man, uh, which is also a film. And that's that one's got uh, Dick Van Dyke in it, right? The, the film version. Uh, I know Chitty Chitty Bang Bang has Dick Van Dyke. Oh, okay. I don't know if The Music Man is. I See, I've not seen The Music Man. Wait, Mary, wait, Dick Van Dyke is in Mary Poppins, and he's in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I don't think it's Dick Van Dyke in The Music Man. Okay. Uh, Robert Wise, uh, as a director in and of himself, because Jerome Robbins is a choreographer, Robert Wise is in the book uh, three other times. He's in there for The Day the Earth Stood Still, The Haunting, and The Sound of Music. So we've got a couple of horror movies in there and a couple of musicals. Which yeah, he had a very diverse career. He yeah. also directed the first Star Trek motion picture. I didn't know that. You didn't know that? No. Okay, so this is, this is what... I'm not a Trek fan, and the reason I know I'm not a Trek fan is because when it comes to the original Shatner ones, it seems like all the big Trekkies like the even-numbered films. So, Wrath of Khan, Voyage Home, and whatever the hell the sixth one is. I, I know I'm not a Trek fan because I like the odd-numbered ones. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I have not seen any of them. You haven't? The no. first one is actually, it's a really interesting answer to 2001. It's like if if Star Trek were to essentially tackle those kind of themes okay. that 2001 tackles. I really like the end of it. I mean, Nimoy does a fantastic job with what he has to do at the end of that film. Sure. And I really like The Search for Spock, which Trek fans hate for some reason. I don't know what's wrong with these friggin' Trekkies. But... I don't know. Whatever. Um, our cast, uh, Natalie Wood as Maria, Richard Bamer as Tony, Russ Tamblin as Riff, Rita Moreno as Anita, and uh, George Chakiris as Bernardo. Um, I will personally go out there and say that I think uh, uh, Rita Moreno and George Takiris are fantastic in this movie. I, I love them to pieces. Oh, no. I, I, so, I'll, yeah, here we go. I'll say something nice about the film. I really like Rita Moreno in this film. I think she's fantastic. The I'll jump straight to it. The In America song. It's a good song. I really like the lyrics. I like a lot of the songs in this. I really like how playful the lyrics are. Yeah. I just wish some of them were sung instead of shouted at me. And that's one of them. Sure. But let's go back to the facts. We'll deal with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Accolades. I mean, geez. Uh, it's on the AFI Top 100. It's ranked number 51. Uh, that was That's the 2007 list. Uh, on the 1997 list, it was ranked at 41, so it lost a little bit of footing, but still in there. Academy Awards, I mean... It swept. Yeah, it it's, won. It's one, it's one shy of tying with all the ones that... Yeah, yeah. yep. And yeah. it, well, it did win 11, but that 11th one was like a special yeah. category thing. Yeah, right? it was, yeah. yeah, I think it was for the choreography, I think. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, one picture, one director, supporting actor, supporting actress, editing, cinematography, production design, costume design, sound, score. Uh, and the only one it lost was adapted screenplay, which would have put it up there. Right. Not only um, would it have put it up there with the 11, the, the best picture movies that won 11 awards, but it would have also matched Lord of the Rings in terms of Lord of the Rings uh, Return of the King won every one it was nominated for. This would have also put it right up there mm. with that. Well, uh, when with the director award, it was the first time that a directing Oscar had ever been shared. Yep. Yep. That was, and that was in, um, that was obvious, that was 1960, uh, 1961. That wouldn't happen again until 2007. With No Country for Old Men, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. It won the Directors Guild. It was in it was in the National Board of uh, uh, it was at the National uh, Board of Views Top Ten. Hey, Ian, did this movie make the National Film Registry? It certainly did in 1997. Hey we there, just, we just keep picking them. Yeah, we do. Um, it won the PGA. Uh, New York Film Critics gave it Best Film. This was the second highest grossing film in 1961. What was the first one? 101 Dalmatians. Only because of the re-releases. I don't think so. If you ta- if you take out the re-releases. 
it's not the highest grossing film. Oh, West Side Story is lovely, but because Disney like to put stuff back in. Of course they do. Um, yeah, it just uh, it narrowly beat out. Well, not narrowly, but the second one is actually one of my favorite films of the '60s, which is Guns of Navarone. Is it in the book? I don't believe it is, which is a shame. That sucks. I always like uh, expanding those kind of uh, early the the you know the the late '50s, early '60s kind of war. Like I I love Dirty Dozen. I love that yeah. movie. And Bridge on the River Kwai. That's it. I haven't seen it, but I do. I own it. I need. I, it's it, so good. I know we'll treat, treat yourself and watch that. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, ninety four. Uh, ninety four critics, eighty four audience. And it did really good business. It, on a six million dollar budget, it took home forty four million. So I mean, it yeah, it turned a tidy profit. Although there was a lot of issues with the filming of this movie in terms of uh, Jerome Robbins being fired and banned from the set. I did not know that. Oh, you didn't? No. So um, Jerome Robbins was the original choreographer and basically conceived West Side Story, and it was his baby. He choreographed the Broadway run the London run, the tour, like he wasn't letting go of it and he sort of wouldn't give up directing the film version. And so it was sort of decided that he would choreograph and, and direct those sequences. And then Robert Wise would be more in charge of the dramatic moments and you know the way that it was shot. And I think we get a clear idea of what that looks like within the first 10 minutes of the movie, because we get the, um, we get the opening, and we get the skyline of New York, and those oh, I love those aerial shots are wonderful. They're great. And I was trying to think, and I I didn't do enough research to find this out specifically, but I can't remember an earlier film doing that kind of top down shot. No, it's great, and it's it's gorgeous. And on Blu-ray, yeah. it was fantastic. I mean, it looks okay. So wonderful. I, here is part of my problem: I did not watch it on Blu-ray. Okay. I mean, I streamed it. And I, I was streaming it onto a 4K TV, or a TV that can do 4K yeah. anyway, and, and I, I rented a full 1080 version of it, mm-hmm. or at least what I assumed was a full 1080 version of it, but I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say it looked like garbage. Oh, it must have. Because it, it looked like utter garbage, like it was in desperate need of a restoration. Oh, no. Oh, no. The Blu-ray was great. So The, the, I know the colors a, pop I know there's a so fifth, much. I know there's a 50th anniversary. That's what we have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's going to be part of my problem here because I'm going to trash the cinematography in this film. Oh no, it looks good. Does it? I mean, and there, well, I mean, there are obviously moments that look very '60s. That's well, just a. My problem know. was the there's moments where the lighting is inconsistent, even in the same scene, the dance hall scene, in some some of the scenes where the set decoration is incredible. Mm-hmm. There's really great art design and set design in this film, and the for me the cinematography was letting it down especially in the Under the Freeway sequence, which is my favorite oh, sequence. Oh, the rumble. Yeah, the yeah. rumble. Uh, that's my favorite sequence in the film, and the lighting goes from just eh, kind of okay to just what the hell is going on? This is murky as hell. And I don't know if that's just whatever transfer that I rented or you know whether the film just really did have a piss-poor cinematographer. So I, I'm going to make an assumption, but is this the first time that you've seen it? It is. Okay. I'm not going to be re-watching it if that's what you're implying. Well, I mean, you should, but... <laughs> Well, here's what's funny. Okay, so this is the third time that I've watched it, and I have a kind of I have a special connection to this movie because it's my wife's favorite movie of all time. That nothing else tops it. No, no, she has a favorite movie. I have a favorite movie, and then we collectively have like our favorite movie. But her favorite movie is West Side Story. And the first time I saw it, it was I was in college, and I was a kind of you know a young theater student, and. I thought I knew more about theater than I really did because I, I didn't know that much back then. And 
the way that me as a non-musical theater theater actor looks at musicals is there are three types of musicals in my in my opinion there are dance driven musicals something like this or singing in the rain or 42nd street where yeah there's a plot yeah there's spectacle it take you know but we're focused on the dancing that's what this musical is going to showcase is the dancing and then you've got spectacle musicals. That's almost anything by Andrew Lloyd Webber, Phantom of the Opera, Cats, Joseph and the Amazing Type of Color Dreamcoat. Uh, Wicked is a good recent example of that. You throw Les Mis in there as well. I don't know, because that one. And well, that's this is another point I'm gonna get. To, I'm gonna get to in a second. So, where we're there again? There's a story, and yep, there's there's probably some dancing and some choreography. But we're looking at look at all this cool stuff that we're gonna see on stage. You know, watch. You know, watch Elphaba rise up when she sings uh, Defying Gravity. You know, watch all the cool stuff we're going to do with Phantom of the Opera. And then there's, a, like, story-driven musicals where there might not be any choreography and it might it might just take place in a house. That's a lot of newer musicals, Fun Home, um, Next to Normal, Last Five Years. Okay, so that's more like what Les Mis is then, is more of a story-driven one, right? Les Mis probably bridges the gap between okay. story-driven and spectacle because it is so big. It's so epic. And, and obviously that there's there's shades of gray too. That's just my that was my yeah. very basic college view of musicals. Dance driven musicals are my least favorite because I'm not a dancer. I can barely sing and I act. That's that's my sort of that's the you know I, mean, I can act. I can kind of sing. I'm not really a good dancer. So watching a musical that's so driven by the dancing, that's eh, that's yeah. tough. So the first time I watched West Side Story, it was basically a favor to Melissa, and I did not enjoy it. But I can honestly tell you that I don't remember anything from the first time I saw it. We got the Blu-ray, and we had it for a while, and so I decided, you know, we finally I need to rewatch it again. And I loved it the second time I watched it. And this is going to be the most random similarity I'll ever make. But have you seen It Follows? No, but you've you've told me about it. Yeah. So It Follows is a movie where you you have to accept the premise that you get early on because if, if you don't, you can't go on the ride. You're not going to enjoy it. That's kind of how I feel about West Side Story. And what I appreciate about West Side Story is that the choreography isn't choreography because it's a dance number. The choreography they set up in the opening of the movie is like how they fight. It's how they talk. It's how they express themselves. Like that opening that's just the dance, there's no there's no singing. We get a lot of storytelling with that. And that's, it's not like 42nd Street where we're going to take five minutes to watch a tap number. We're just going to watch people tap because they're doing a musical, they're rehearsing a musical, and this is the bit where we see how good they can tap dance. West Side Story, they find the choreography is how they tell the story. I think for me, the, the two best examples are the rumble, which is, you know, it's a choreographed, dance fight and then later when they do cool they're below they're kind of you know be cool boy yeah, and that's and those are my two favorite sequences because they're the only two where i feel like they do it well and i and i just love that you know that the dance is all character driven hmm. you know that's my little spiel about that yeah. but yeah and see i didn't i didn't buy it right off the start yeah. i didn't buy that these guys were they're toughs they're heavies I get that they're I, I no, I and I do. I go along with that. I get that this is how they're gonna express themselves is, is through dance. Sure. But I don't I don't buy that these are tough guys. I mean they're throwing vegetables at each other. Well, and I think Richard Bamer is not good. 
No. I don't. I don't like. And I don't like believing that he used to be the the head of the Jets. Yeah. And if that's him really singing, again, what I, what I mentioned. Oh, it's not. No. Well, whoever is dubbing him is they're they're shouting their lines rather than singing them. A lot, especially in the when you're a jet. I'm like, whoa, whoa. Hang oh on, no, 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 no. He doesn't. He's not in that. That's Riff. That's Russ Tamblin. Um, oh, okay. Oh, Richard Bamer is just Tony. Yes, Tony. Okay. Thank I you. think Richard Bamer is awful. Oh no, I totally agree with that. I especially now that I know who he is, I especially hate his number. The something's coming. Is that what that song is called? I think so. It's early on. Yeah, we don't. I don't need you to tell me something's coming. I'm watching a movie. I know something's gonna happen. It's like it, that in a two and a so, half hour movie. It's so uncommitted. The, it's the first thing I would have cut. Like that, I wouldn't even thought about it. I would have taken that sequence right out. Yeah, it's I don't not... need you to tell me something's coming. <laughs> yeah, it's it it's not it's not progressing the plot. It's not no, it's not at us, all. It's I, not giving us any information. Oh, I'm, I won't disagree with you on that. Yeah, I I'm not a big fan of anything that's just him. Well, I'm still gonna stand by my my uh, Russ Tamlin shouting his lines too, or or shouting his lines that are supposed to be sung. I just throughout the movie, I felt like that. Even and that's the thing too. It's not good singing. Well, and that's the thing too. Okay, so that's that's what I was gonna say is this because it's such a dance heavy musical. I don't think it's so important how they sound, right? Like I think um, in America is a prime example. It, we're not. We're not listening to the to the words because we want to hear how great they can sing. It's more about the lyrics. Same with Officer Krupke. Yeah, that's not about how well you can sound singing. I think it is about the storytelling and right. and it's but it's character it be, singing. Wouldn't it be nice to have both? Maybe, but I don't. I don't know that I want to hear in America in a in a dulcet tone. I want to hear the Puerto Rican in your face. Well, I'm not saying that it. it doesn't have to be Puerto Rican and in your face. No, I mean, no, you no, can I, still do that and do it well. Sure. I guess I just didn't I, see I, a problem with it. I, and I and I really like. And that's that's the thing that I I will stress that I did like about this movie. I'm not going to just sit here and rag on the whole thing. The lyrics are fantastic, and it really makes me wish that there wasn't the same censorship, you know, sort of that 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 massive umbrella of uh, of censorship that they had back in the in the 60s with mm-hmm. the, the Catholic League of Decency and things like that. Because you I I've read what the actual lyrics are to Officer Krupke, and I really wish they were like the legit ones to really drive it home. Yeah. It, this film feels castrated to me. I, I mean, I, I think it does in a little bit, but I think that's also part of the, you know, the 2018 sensibility. I think for what it did at the time, it actually was kind of groundbreaking. I mean, it was no, a it, film. No, it's, I'm not going to take away from that. It still says very important things. Officer yeah. Krupke dealing with delinquency yeah and you know people's misunderstanding of, of youth culture and things like that that's great and then again you have all kinds of, it spoke volumes about immigration and yeah, and, yeah. And things like that i'm not going to take time. that i'm not going to take that away from it sure it's just the execution yeah and it sounds like there was all kinds of trouble on set as well if they were having to fire so the choreographer and so ban him from the set the 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 opening of the movie was supposed to take a couple of days to shoot it took a couple of weeks they were only supposed to be in, in New York, I think, for three weeks. They were there for three months. Like, it it, it took way too long yeah. because Jerome Jerome Robbins, who doesn't come from the film world, he didn't – I was actually watching a documentary this morning about it, and he didn't know how to say print it. He would never say it because he wanted to keep finessing and keep working yeah. on it. And eventually they were they were losing too much money working on it, and so – the day that they filmed the uh, the dance at the uh, at the church, the big the big sort of yeah. mambo that scene, 
uh, was the day that he was fired. And then Robert Wise, being the good guy that he, he was, um, even though even though Jerome Robbins was banned from the set, Robert Wise said he could be in the editing room. He could see what he could, you know, kind of give notes and, you know, let, let me know what he sees too. But, um, yeah, he, Jerome Robbins was was over budget, not sticking to schedule, being a like a taskmaster. And some of the actors liked it, some of them didn't. Um, they appreciated the, you know, the grind and the work and the rehearsal, but, you know, it's a bit of a diva, I'm going to assume. It it was, I think it was one of those. It was his baby, and it was going to be yeah. exactly the way that he wanted it to be. And that's and that's maybe why the film. So I mean, you have Stephen King is another prime example of that. He gets too precious about his material, and so it ruins interpretation of it. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's he's famous for hating Kubrick's version of The Shining, and then when they turned around and did the TV miniseries version, it's nigh unwatchable. Yeah, because you, you don't need to retain every single letter. Is that Michael Keaton in it, the television one? I can't remember, man. It's, okay. I've tried to eject that. I'm not, I haven't seen it, but I'm trying to remember the 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 awful cover of it. And I, yeah. It might be him. Anyways, it's not important, right? So oh, yeah, so yeah, like I said, I'm not going to sit here and rag on on and completely rag on it. There are, I did take a lot of issue with it, especially in character development and. And going along on the on the ride with some of these characters, straight off the bat, I don't care about Maria. Really? At all. Like, I really don't. She seems selfish and spoiled, and then she completely lives up to those things. When you have the scene after the rumble, and uh, Anita comes... So, no, Tony comes back first, Yeah. and he's all, you know, cut up and bloodied, mm-hmm. and she forgives him almost instantly yeah and that's a leap that's that's tough so that's that's point one okay and then sleeps with him i'm assuming giving up her virginity that's what it's that's point two certainly what it seems like and then after he they're discovered by anita yes and she launches into anita like a bitch (laughs) about how you should understand because weren't you in love yeah she was in love she was in love with the guy your brother who yeah. literally just, just got murdered yeah. by the guy that you gave up your cherry to. Yeah. So you're kind of, I'm sorry. She's a bitch. Like I hate that character. And the whole point of this film is to be, you, you care about their relationship and bridging the cultural divide. Right. And it's, I mean, the whole thing is a Romeo and Juliet essentially. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. And like, Obviously they, they changed the ending. Right. So in this film, Romeo can't act and Juliet's a bitch. <laughs> I I don't mean to get down to like brass tacks and, and put it in such callous terms, but that's what I got. Man. I listen. I Tony is not good. No, I don't enjoy him. I I, I do like Riff I, and all the other side jet characters. I actually I, I really enjoy them. I love their. I feel like they're what's is it Little Joe or Little something or other? He Baby Joey. Baby Joey. His crying scene. That's really good. And he's and the one guy is like, well, you know. He's like, do you have a handkerchief? Well, no. What's wrong with your sleeve? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I really like that exchange. I love and I and after because after the, I, cool is such a great number. Cool is for me. That's my favorite number. Now you know in the originally in the musical, cool came before the rumble, which doesn't make any sense to and, me. And Officer Krupke came after right. the rumble. Yeah, no, that, that's actually something. I'm glad you brought that it up because that's in my notes. Makes no sense. And right. Sondheim, who wrote the lyrics, was so happy when they inverted it. Yeah, uh, for the movie. Because yeah. it's something he had always wanted. 
Yeah, so he and he didn't have control over that, I guess. No, I guess not. Yeah, that's unfortunate because yeah, no, that doesn't make any sense. And then there's another one they changed, which I really liked as well. Um, America comes between Maria and tonight, so that you don't have fatigue from having two love ballads back to back. So you have it interspersed with that, you know, dealing the song that deals with the immigration and the racism and how the Puerto Ricans are being treated and stuff like that. That, that again, was another thing that I appreciated. Yeah. It was a really smart idea to fix some of the mistakes of, of timing and pacing because the movie's two and a half hours and it's really fatiguing. I cannot imagine how much it must suck to sit through the Broadway version because <laughs> that has just got to be exhausting. I do. I don't. I wonder if if now they've they've rearranged. I think the, I almost think order. you would have to because there's going to be a whole generation of people that didn't see it on stage well, that saw it, the movie and it, that's what they're expecting. It just makes so much more sense. It really does. It's this is another weird. So a few good men was originally a, a play. Oh it, no, we uh, we rehearsed. We were going to do that. We were in the, at Stanwood High School. Here's here's a little piece of trivia about us for you. We were actually going to do a few good men with you. Direct. Were you going to be in it? I was just directing You it. were directing. Our friend Chris was in the Tom Cruise part. Yep. And I know, I remember how pissed off he was because he had gotten two, he had, he had memorized two-thirds of it, I think. I don't remember. It was, he memorized a good chunk of it when the rug was pulled out from us. And I was going to play the part, I think, that Christopher Guest plays in the movie, The Doctor. Was that, that what it was? Yeah, I, I had it was a, the JT, I, was it JT? No, it was The Doctor. Yeah, it was Yeah, the I had a bunch of huge, chunky, like, technical dialogue. Anyways, I only bring up A Few Good Men because in the movie, the the sort of aha moment is when Tom Cruise is looking in his closet and he realizes, and he has, oh yeah, wait, this guy hadn't packed his bags. Why wouldn't he pack his bags? And and, and that's that's not like the hook, line, and sinker, but it's it, yeah. it really sparks this idea of wanting to know why this kid hadn't prepped to come home at all. In the play, we don't get any of that. It's basically just the Tom. It's basically Dan Caffey trying to outsmart um, the Jack Nicholson character. And, oh, and he just tricks him into saying the wrong thing. I yes, guess, in the play. Yeah, uh, I mean that's. It's not, not bad, gonna... but it's it's better in the movie. Yeah, and no, so you I wonder need that in the movie. My question is, if in, in now productions of it of a few good men, do you do you try and and get more of the film into the play because it it worked it works really well. Right. I hope other, that that kind of thing happened with West Side Story. The other thing that while we're talking about something like that, the other thing that blows my mind to find out that the Alec Baldwin speech in Glenn Gary Glenn Ross isn't in the play. It's not it was at written all. for the movie. It's specifically for Alec and, Baldwin. And that to me is I can't, I wouldn't be able to say, say that I went and saw Glenn Gary Glenn Ross and I, had, I didn't know that. And you never heard the ABC speech? I would be like, I'm at the wrong place. What's going? It's so iconic. It's so much of a, f- a part of the fabric of that film. See, and you know what's funny is that it's it's it's. Have well, you read Glengarry Glenn Ross? Have you, is it? If you, you audience, you cannot see me glaring at Ian right now. Yes, I've read Glengarry Glenn Ross. How so? How much did that take away from you reading it and not having Baldwin's ABC speech in there? Well, it's funny because I I actually read the play before I'd seen the movie. Oh, really? So seeing his speech was, it was like, what is going on here? So where does the play start then? Just it while starts we're on this where tangent. it starts. It starts with, um, I think it was Ed Harris and um, whoever's had eating dinner at the Chinese. Oh, the, okay. the, or it's, right. in, the, in the movie, it starts there in a car. Yeah. But 
the based in the play it all takes place at the restaurant or the first the first act does and then it takes place in the in the offices but in the play it's it's roma's speech it's the you 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 lost me you know 12 grand in a cadillac that's that's the speech yeah it's not the abc speech right we are way off topic we are at least we're keeping it towards theater and well we'll get to glengarry because i'm pretty sure it's in the book oh yeah i don't know thank god because that is that is one of my top 10 films of all time the other thing about West Side Story, and we we seem to have recurring themes that we I don't know where I don't think we're doing it intentionally, but we talked about it in A Matter of Life and Death, and we talked about it in Victoria, this idea of how quickly people can fall in love. Yeah, you know, because I didn't even realize until watching it this last time, Melissa said, "You know, this movie takes place over two days." I was like, "Oh yeah, there's only two days that this movie takes place." Is the is the play different? I have no idea. I've never seen the musical on stage. Okay. But I just think that's, you know, it's it's that idea, too, of how quickly right. people can fall in love. And and I, right. wish, they, I wish I cared more about the actors. That's that's true. Well, and for me, I wish I cared more about the characters. So I'm, you know. Well, that's I meant the same. I'm sorry. I yeah, meant yeah. the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So you really didn't, no. you didn't really buy the, 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 the dance as, as, the, as the storytelling and... I did... In the Officer Krupke song, I did because it's. I feel like the the two of them go they they go really hand in hand in that because they're acting out what they're singing. Sure. So that makes sense. And then Cool It, I did because that. For me, I know it's not the biggest number, but it's the most physically dynamic number. Yeah. For me, and in fact, that what I love ama- Cool. What what amazed what amazed me about it is the fact that you go from this big colorful musical where the set design is is key everything and i love her apartment with the different colored panes of glass yeah that's really nice and then the most dynamic number for me anyway in the film is in this drab gray garage yeah i I really like that and something else that i noticed that i've been doing in these podcasts is i talk about the unsung hero of any particular film for this doc i the doc character really saved some key scenes for me yeah I love where he slaps Tony around and is like, is this the only way to get through to you kids? And then there's a scene where obviously where Anita comes oh, to let Tony know. God, that scene is so and it gets, heartbreaking. It gets a bit rapey. Yeah. Right? Which I wasn't expecting in a film from 1961, but there it is. Uh, Rita Moreno came out later and said that filming that she'd been sexually assaulted, in, you know, prior to shooting oh, this she movie. Had. Wow. And that doing that scene in particular was really difficult. Well, I, I believe it. She she sells it. Yeah. I absolutely believe that something very yeah, terrible is about to happen. That's one of those ones where, I, and I, I'm, I mean, I'm sure she didn't tell Jerome Robbins or Robert Wise yeah. about it. And it's one of those, like what we got on, on, what we got on tape was, was great and it works in the movie, but you know, how much of that is acting and how much of that is, is, is having really to live her. through this trauma right, that you right. went through. Well, that's unfortunate to hear that. But the, the, what Doc says you know, after that happens, is uh, what does he say? You, you oh, you make the world lousy. I love that line. I love that sentiment. Like, look at what, what are you guys doing? Look at what you do. Look at how you live. You make this world a terrible place. Yeah. I mean, and they respond back with an, an equally good quip. They say, "Well, we didn't make it. Yeah, we're a product of our environment, essentially." Yeah. There's that. Um, I don't think it's. It might be at the war council. It might be a different scene where. They talk about who, like, who started it. You know, who, who, who jumped, who jumped baby Joey today? Oh, who jumped me the first day I moved here? Who asked you to move here? Yeah. And you can tell that they, it's these not fully fleshed, like skin deep 
hatreds of each other. Yeah, there's well, and there's some character development missing there. How ineffectual are the cops in this movie? Yeah, right. I feel like there should be a little bit more with them well, because they clearly favor the Jets. Yeah, they're yeah they're trying to yeah tell tell us what's going on. Yeah, yeah, and I do I do appreciate the fact that nobody rats. Yeah, it's never like said, but nobody rats. Yeah, we might the Jets and the Sharks might hate each other, but the cops suck. Yeah, and we're not gonna tell them anything. Exactly. And even the I don't I know there's Officer Krupke I can't think of the main police officer who we get through the movie. Right. He's a lieutenant. Or yeah, something like that. But he even at one point says, you know, but I have a badge. Like he even says, like you know, I'm gonna get away with whatever because I am a cop. Yeah. Another, another ideal that we're dealing with today. Yeah. You know how much power do police officers have? You know, I, we keep finding similarities in the movies that we're talking about from years past, and and this one between the immigration stuff. And the the social, you know, juvenile justice stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah, I'm not gonna take any way anything away from it, it thematically. I mean, I I can't do that. But so, Ian, you usually ask. You start off the what was your favorite moment in the movie? I what 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 I'll, I will ask you this time. What what was your favorite moment? It, it's the garage scene. Yeah, it's the cool. It's cool, and the aerials at the beginning. Yeah, those are just. Absolutely fantastic. I can tell you what my least favorite is, is the dance hall scene. Really? Like I said, because, again, it may have just been the version that I was watching, but the lighting in that scene is just abysmal. It must it must be. It was I, murky, and when the lights come down, I know what they're trying to do is yeah, these, when, these when, star-crossed when lovers. It's just yeah. murky and just... you could they could they I can't believe this film, at least the version I saw, I can't believe this film won Best Cinematography. It baffles me. Like, it must have been a slow year for cinematography. Oh, my. I, I think you must have just watched it. It must have just been a garbage transfer. Because the colors pop so much, hmm. at least on the on the Blu-ray. Yeah. Well, I might I may rewatch it just from a cinematography perspective. I may watch a, a different transfer of it just for that. Just for that. I would probably watch it silent so that I don't have, you know, in America screamed at me or when you're a jet. Oh, God. I'm sorry. The when you're a jet number is just and, awful. But, okay, that's... And see, that's I think I think where I'm coming from with a little more theater and musical theater experience is there are musicals like Les Mis yeah. where we're hearing you know it's, it is about how well you can sing. It's about the quality of your voice. But there are a lot of musicals. I would say West Side Story being one of them, where it's the songs are so character driven that it's right. not really about sounding well. It's about the character coming through more than you know hitting all the notes pitch perfect well i'm glad you brought up les mis because i know we've clashed on on this before but the les mis movie that came out what was that 2012 or 2013 the russell crowe yeah hugh jackman the problem that i have now and i did enjoy that i know you you said you didn't i didn't say that no 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 i well uh, we clashed over russell crowe who was shit in that movie oh man that's right he's not as bad as johnny Depp and sweeney todd (sighs) johnny yeah that's a tough one because he's not really singing yeah exactly but I, I, either way, I didn't think Russell Crowe did that poorly. I mean, he did, he's got though. a rockier voice. He's got a gruffly, growly, rocky voice. He, he didn't. You, he, he was not singing in his normal voice. No. And which, his, but his performance in it, I totally buy the regret and the guilt that he has at the end. I really, I like his final number. It's really so do. hard what he's singing. It's so bad. I. <laughs> it's not. Oh man, it's not. Anyway, the the reason I I say it's good. I'm glad you brought up Les Mis is. Um, 
that has really set the standard for what you can do in a musical now and how what the kind of quality for it can be. Whether you liked the movie or not, they're singing live. Yeah. And so seeing anything else now kind of has the noise turned down a little bit as far as the quality is concerned because, well, now they're not singing live. You know what I mean? Like, and it's it's a it's a product of the time. Obviously, they sure. Can't do. I'm not going to hold it against it. Yeah. But it's like I know how good it can be, right? Well, but that would be like saying you know you can't enjoy the effects in Blade Runner now because of what they've done. Sure. And, yeah. I, and I'm not saying my argument is valid. It just it just it's for not me, valid. It, it's not valid. It's just it just <laughs> the quality has gotten you know it's just gotten the noise turned down for me. Sure. I mean, there's. I, I'm already getting the vibe from you that there's no way I'm going to convince you. No, it's to, not good. It's not put this in the, book, the, in the book. But it's okay. There's other musicals. So and I'm not saying that I'm not a musical fan. There are musicals I enjoy. I just said I, I like Les Mis. I like Moulin Rouge. I adore Moulin Rouge. Sure. And Blues Brothers, which I know we were just talking about how you don't think that's a musical, but it's a musical in the way like Jersey Boys is a musical. It's it's oh, a celebration. I, I loved Jer- I loved Clint Eastwood's Jersey Boys. Oh, I did not. Oh, why? Because it's because uh, I because I didn't because I didn't. Is it just the type of music or is it? No, I love the musical. Yeah, I don't like the movie. What's wrong with the movie? Did what did Eastwood do that offended you so egregiously? He, it, it's hard. It, it's one of those things where it left a bitter t- taste in my mouth. The whole movie is shot so realistically, and yet at the very end we get this cheesy, like musical number. Mm-hmm. It's so musical theatery. I don't know. I just didn't. I just wasn't a big fan of the film version of it. I don't know. Maybe I got too soft a spot for Eastwood. Maybe I'd, I'd forgive Eastwood almost anything. Would you forgive him Hereafter? I would. I actually liked Hereafter. Oh Jesus! Eight. Okay. What? What? What is your problem with Hereafter? Oh, it's a blatant. That is that is the worst kind of. I'm gonna make a movie to try to win Oscars. Yeah, but it didn't. I I'm aware of that, and I'm glad it didn't. <laughs> okay, I I don't forgive him anything. I hated Billion Dollar Baby. See, oh yeah, we can't get we can't get to that again. We are, we've already discussed this once. Yeah, we have. The the last thing I want to say about the movie is how the movie ends, and I I do really appreciate. I don't necessarily appreciate how they changed the Romeo and Juliet ending, and obviously she lives and he doesn't, but I do love both the Jets and the Sharks coming together to carry him out. Yeah, I, that, that moment of unity is quite nice. I'm yeah. not, not going to say it redeems the film 100%. Sure. I, I do kind of like Maria almost redeems herself for me at the end, where she's swinging the gun around, like, yeah. I can kill now because now I have hate in my heart too. Yeah. I kind of, that's that's... That's great. That's a great realization that she has that it you have to have hate in your I once had love and now I had hate. You kind of thing. I feel like we're we have to remember that these are high schoolers. I think that's what we're supposed to know. Yeah, the the, the emotions are out of control. Yeah, in, yeah. In a sense. Yeah. I don't think that's going to change your mind about her decision making. <laughs> no. She's still a bitch. Well, I'm going to ask you officially. Ian should West Side Story be in the book? No. But that's a no right now. Okay. Let's uh, let's do Sound of Music. Let's do Singing in the Rain. A couple more of the big ones that I haven't. I I've, think, never, I've never seen Sound of Music and I've never seen Singing in the Rain. I think Singing in the Rain will be more up your alley. Okay. I do. It's also about 35 to 40 minutes shorter. Oh, that's perfect. Now, I believe Sound of Music is about 30 minutes longer. Yes, I have seen that that is a, a three-hour movie. Okay. 
Just so the you're, Nazis don't sing in it, do they? I don't know, and I hate to admit that I have also not seen oh, The Sound of Music. We just film faux pas. Look at us. But hey, that's what we're doing. We're trying to expand your horizons and our own. It's a yes for me, by the way. Okay. I absolutely think the movie should be in the book. This is our, only our second split decision, I think. It is. Yep. I mean, unless you, I mean, I don't really count our split decision on the Buster Keaton because we both said yes to one and both said no to one. Yeah, no. It, it's Badlands is the one where that, I that didn't want it. Our split and, decision. Yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, and honestly, I was I was hoping we'd get more of these. I, I hope we 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 push we keep no, pushing ourselves to to watch movies and, and end up having different different opinions on yeah. it. And honestly, I would say a lot of this has to do with just our backgrounds. I have a strong theater background. It's mm-hmm. been what I've done. It's been what I've got my degrees in. And I know a lot more about it. And I'm clearly a heathen for liking the film version of Les Miserables. Who is saying this? <laughs> and it has, and it's, and it has a soft spot now because it is Melissa's favorite movie. And so, yeah, yeah. and, and I'm glad I gave it a second go. And so you're coming in with a little bit of bias there. Oh, course. totally. Totally. And we had Stella watch it with us. And she was dancing her little ass off. She had such a blast. Well, there you go. I can't take that away from you, man. Oh, what no, kind no, of no. monster would I be? No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> now I have I have more. I'm going to build more ties to it. I know. No, of course. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying about, with the emotional attachment. And sure. Stuff like that. I'm not going to. Oh, no. I'm going to attempt to break those down. And it, it's, it's, it's my feeling about movies is that if you were to tell me, not you, but the general you, somebody came up to me and said that their favorite movie was Mean Girls. I have no right to say you're wrong because if they've got a legitimate reason like, oh, well, I watched it when I was that age and it actually really hit me in this way and, blah, blah, you know, and they have all their reasons, great. You know, I know why Pulp Fiction is my favorite movie of all time. I'm, I'm anxious to see if you feel that way when we get to Withnail and I. Is that your favorite movie? Of all time, yeah. Oh, cool. Well, we'll find out. Yeah. But that's the whole thing is that it's, it's – I can say I don't like it. But I have no reason. I have no way to say, you know, oh, you're stupid for, for having that be your favorite movie, you know. Um, and, you know, I think Melissa's built up a fondness to Pulp Fiction as I've built up a fondness to West Side Story just over the years and haven't yeah. seen them. So, Well, um, the same thing is happening with Liz and I. She is slowly breaking down my John Hughes barriers. Good. Not on Breakfast Club, though. You so suck. suck it. You, no, you suck it. <laughs> no, Ferris Bueller. We I'm have on Ferris Bueller. devolved. But hopefully you haven't, and we want to hear what you think. So find us on Facebook and Twitter. Let us know. Do you like West Side Story? Do you think it should be in the book? Do you think it should not be in the book? Uh, If you're listening to us, you're probably listening to us on either iTunes or Google Play or Spotify. Uh, Please rate and review us. We keep doing this because we want to expand your film horizons as well, and we just have a blast doing it. Um, So check us out. Give us a like. Rate and review us. Until next time. I am Adam. And I am Ian. And we will see you next week. <laughs>